spiritually dark and not very comfortable at all. And we really didn't like it, but it was what we had. And we took a little while to get out of there, but we're out of there now and we're over here and I'm really excited about it. And I'm going to kind of liken it to some of the promised land stuff. Uh, and, and because we're going to do a, a prayer walk, which is basically nothing more than taking back the land and claiming it for God. But I need to give you some background of understanding for that. Most of us think when we got saved that it was once and done and over. Yeah, and it was finished on the cross, but there's other parts of things that have to be worked out. There's a battle that has to be won. That's why we have the book of Revelation. It talks about we win the battle. In the very end, we win. We're ahead of it. But in the meantime, we have some battles. Now, the promised land that was promised to the Jewish nation, his chosen and favorite people, took a time through the desert before they got there. And that desert time was because of lack of belief. And I think we went through some of that desert time ourselves because of lack of belief, a lack of belief on my part. But we're entering into a land, and that land of Canaan was a promised land. It was a land with uh, a promise of a magnificent blessing and a promise of big giants. Big blessing and big giants, they go together. They really do. Everything in life. I know in business realm it's the same way. In every part of life, if you can have something good, the better it is, usually the harder it is to get it. And that's just really how God's designed it. So you have big giants and big blessing. How do you enter that land? Since we've been in this ground, and I actually think in a way that this particular promise, we can liken it to America itself or this particular building itself or the rest and peace that God wants to bring us into. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about the promise, the promise rest as God has, the promised place of being in a place that where we have peace and, and, and God goes before us and we have to take it step by step, is a promise that's available to us. Now, I want you guys to turn to Ezra 9, 10 through 15. See, I can move real well with this. This, this is actually happening here. I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah, don't say that. I'm, I can't move the cord. It hooks the computer. It's all right. I, if I need, if I fall down, I will have a good laugh. <laughs> Big deal. But now, O oh our God, what can we say after this? For we have disregarded the commands you gave through your servants, the prophets, when you said, The land you are entering to possess is a land polluted by the corruption of its peoples. But their detestable practices, they have filled it by their detestable practices. They have filled it with their impurity from one end to the other. Therefore, do not give your daughters in marriage to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them at any time that you may be strong and eat the good things of the land and leave it to your children as an everlasting inheritance. Next slide. What has happened to us is a result of our evil deeds and our great guilt. And yet, our God, you have punished us less than our sins have deserved and and have given us a remnant like this. 
Shall we again break your commands and intermarry with the peoples who commit such detestable practices? Would you not be angry enough with us to destroy us, leaving us no remnant or survivor? O Lord, God of Israel, you are righteous. We are left this day as a remnant. Here we are before you in our guilt, though because of it not one of us can stand in your presence. Now, this sounds a little bit hard, but I have to, have to say an understanding that we really don't think of. We think of whether I personally have sinned about something. And the reason I'm going through this is because we're going to pray over this land after, after, this, after service. If you want to go with us, we welcome you to come. If you don't, that's fine too. But we're, we're going to pray over this land. And we usually think of, you know, wow, I didn't do that, or I didn't have that sin, or I didn't do that, maybe what was listed in there. But that's not how God thinks. God thinks much more corporately. If I remind you of the Old Testament, you'll find that, you know, Moses, when he repented, he repented as if it was himself and was repenting for the people. That's how God looks at it, and that's how he looks at his people. He says he's looking for someone to stand in the gap. What is he talking about? He's talking about someone that will take on the responsibility for the sin and cry out for it. So the process we're going to start here and, and we're going to do today, we're doing it for the AFM we're doing it for the property we're taking. We're also doing, I'm teaching this because I want you to be able to know how to do this on your own block where you live or wherever else God gives you some things. Because we have a corporate sin that comes on us. We have the sins from our forefathers and we have the sins of our people that are around us currently today and we have our own. All those type of sins. And what happens, there's about... I looked up, there's about 200 scriptures in the New and Old Testament alike that talk about defilement of the land. 200. Not just the land, just defilement in general. And the basic idea is you touch something defiled, you become defiled. And that if you have a land that's defiled, the crops from it are defiled. And I'll, I'll go through a few scriptures on that in a minute. But the basic concept is, is there's sin on the land. There's a lot of different things that cause the sin on the land here. You may or may not have participated, and it doesn't really matter. Because what the heart of this is, is to learn how to repent, get the land back that's been given over to something else. Now, the AFM is American Film Market. It is a, uh, the largest of its kind film festival. It's in Santa Monica. It actually starts this week. It starts Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It goes for, to the 11th. We're going to actually do the first four days of it. It is a global gateway where we export our values and what we think and what we see to all over the world. There's 8,000 people come by from 70-plus nations. And so what happens and what they buy is will depend what their children and the people of those different countries will see. Now, if it's garbage, they see garbage, and they're going to become garbage. And if it's a good thing, then that's what's going to happen. What surprises me is that PG movies make ten times of what an R movie makes. Ten times. Why do they sell the other? Because there's an agenda that's on that the enemy has. So we want to purify this land so that, and we're going to pray for the AFM, not really here today unless you want to join us for that, but because we want what goes out to that nation to be something wholesome. And something that maybe we could represent in a positive way to the world rather than negative. You know, I was out and did some mission work. Everywhere I want, everybody says, oh, I live in Malibu. They go, oh, Baywatch. That's what they saw. <laughs> that's, that's what they looked at, and that's what they thought of America. 
Baywatch. So, what did we read in this Ezra passage here? It said they disregard the commands. The land you're entering is polluted and corrupt, defiled, has detestable practices and purity from one end to another. It says, do not intermarry so you may be strong, eat the good things, and children will have an everlasting inheritance. You know, I want to translate that for today's stuff. You know, we think about, well, we're supposed to fit in with the world. But, you know, God did not call a people to just fit in. God called the people to be out and be separate and be different. Holy really means that. To be holy means to set apart, to be pure, sanctified, uh, ceremonially clean. That's what we're called to be. Now, our church as a whole, we do some stuff where we'll go with the New Age people and we'll minister to them. And we like doing that. And we try to come as Paul would have done. Remember Paul when he said, we talked to the uh, people in Athens that, you know, I become like them so I could share the gospel. But it was just for the gospel's sake. Much of us are, have been in that place that we've become like the world so the world will like us. Guess what? If the world likes you, you missed. That's the truth. That's what the scripture says. If the world likes you, then you don't belong to the kingdom. Says, I don't like that word. I like to have people like me. But that's not the way it is. We're to be a salt to the earth. We never be a preservative, a blessing to the earth. That's what we're called to be. So what's this intermarrying stuff that it's talking about here? Because it goes back, shall we again intermarry? Shall we begin to, you know, partake of what this world takes? Or are we going to be different from the world? If we partake from it, now that's the Southern California message, I call it. The Southern California message says this. You can have anything and everything you want as long as you have a little God in your life. That's the message. Haven't you heard that everywhere? That's the message, Southern California, probably all over. But I'm in Southern California. I can tell you that is the message. Church after church, the church I was in before this, which is no longer around, so I don't mind saying it, that's their number one message. You could have everything you want as long as you have a little bit of God in your life, and people ate it up. And I liken that, again, to, as a vaccination to the gospel. You can be just like the world as long as you believe there's a God. Well, the devil believes there's a God. He does. He knows there's a God. But see, he's not, he's not choosing to be with him. He's not choosing to follow him. He's choosing to do what he wants when he wants to do. The theme that we heard this morning, most of the praises we've been hearing lately is a lot of blessings. That sounds a little hard as a way of blessings, but it's a good attitude of the people. We understand that we are his. And that's where we're at. You know, you know what the definition is? Uh, well, let me get to that in a second. So we're to be separate from the world. We're called to be separate. Not that, we, not, not that we're not to be friends with the people of the world. I love some of the people of the world. It's the most fun people of all. I enjoy that. It's not talking about that. I, I think I need to make that really clear. It, what it's talking about is not becoming intermarried with them, not become set with the same desires uh, of theirs, and get caught up in their fascinations and what they want and what they don't want. No, it's not. Sorry. It's the gospel. There's that the AA. Hey, 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock is the AA meeting. It's in the other room. Seven. You know what Moses did? What? He did what God told him to. That's right. 
That is the number one message. Obey. <laughs> I'm with you, man. I like it. Since we're talking about Moses, let's hit the next scripture. Psalm 106.33. Is that the next scripture? The man's on... He's prophetic. There he is. He's right on it. For they rebelled against the Spirit of God, and rash words came from Moses' lips. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and adopted their, adopted their customs. They worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was desecrated by their blood. Okay, remember this is the story when they were entering the land, in case you're not real familiar with it. They were told by Moses, you know, uh, by God, to destroy the people. You know, and sometimes that sounds really, really harsh, especially to a humanistic mindset that America has on it. Oh, we've got to be kind to everyone. That's not the gospel. But that's what, what, the, what the world says. And it holds itself as a higher standard than the gospel. But the gospel said to destroy it. And to destroy it was the same thing that when uh, Jesus talked about if your right, right eye caused you to sin, you pluck it out of your arm, you cut it off, you remove what is bad and what is disease. Why? For the purpose that the whole body doesn't go to hell. And the idea with this, when they entered the promised land, there was a, there was, there was a, a judgment on the people that God was having them do. But the biggest thing is because his great love for the people, he didn't want them to be polluted by the things of the world. He didn't want them to get tainted and didn't want them to come and take along the practices of the people of the land. Now, the people of the land's practices were really, really horrible. Their idol worship was the worship of Moloch. Now, this is really ugly. I decided not to read it. I can say it a little easier than reading it. But what they did in the people in those days is they had a, uh, this Moloch idol that had its arms outreached. And it was hollow inside this thing. And what they would do is they'd put fire inside this thing, heat up the arms and the whole, whole idol until it was white, white hot, just white hot. And what they would do is they would take their children and put them on that altar, and they'd burn slowly to death. That's the practices that they're talking about. And when you understand that was the practices of the people, you can understand the mercy was to remove that. Because what happened is when they didn't, they ended up taking on some of those same practices. You know, we, we can say, wow, why would they ever do that? Well, why they would do that is a very simple principle. It's a principle of how you defile a land. The number one way you defile a land is with innocent blood. That's the first thing. It's not only the next thing is, you know, you do other wrong practices, but if you really want to defile it, you take the most innocent you can get, nothing more innocent, and we're talking about infant babies they're doing it with, and stick it on there, and you defile it because you have shed the blood of the innocent. And what the scripture says, the ground cries out, and it grieves God. Now, why am I going through this? Now, some of you may have had an abortion. I don't want to beat you up on that. Because if you had an abortion and you ask God to forgive you, it's done. And if you feel anything other than that, then that's a lie from the pit of hell or your own guilty conscience. But it's not the truth. Because if you've had, and I know the people, if there are women in there, we're going to have had that, have done that. 
God's so merciful. He forgives that, and there's this mesmer no more. I have people in my family have done that. You know, it, it's 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 horrible. Well, why do you think that this world wants it so much? Why is that such a big, big thing? Well, I believe part of it, without knowing it, is the part to defile the land. So when I say this land is defiled, it's defiled. This way, we have 52 million babies in America have been, been aborted. Innocent. They had no choice. There was nothing they could do. And I can describe some of the practices, and they're not far off in Moloch. They really aren't. You know, it, it's a horrible practice, but it brings a defilement to the land. That's what the enemy does. If he wants to defile something, he does stuff like that. He'll, uh, uh, every city, every big city has a police department that has a special section to deal with kids that have been taken. Because that's what happens to some of those kids that are taken. They're sacrificed. Now, that sounds way out to some of you. But it is a fact. If you go talk to some like L.A. Police Department, my brother-in-law was an L.A. Uh, uh, policeman. knows about that. All those things, are they're real. Why? To defile the land. Because this principle exists. When the land is defiled, things that come from it. Now, he spoke speaking then of agriculture. But it's the same thing with people. It's just what the people were used to. Agriculture really exemplified what was going on. So when the land became defiled, then everything comes out as defiled. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, this idol worship that they're talking about. And we do a lot of idol worship. You know, we worship, you know, all kinds of sports figures and actors and all the other things like that rather than God. It kind of is a crack up. But God gave me a little thing. It says idol says the first letter of it's I. Because in an idol, the difference between an idol and a Christianity is an idol is always about me. It's about getting what I want. You know, all those idols were to fertility or to you know, get more children, more crops. I mean, to get more uh, uh, animals, all this stuff. It was all about I. And the second part was dole, which is one letter short of dolt, which means an idiot. <laughs> so I'm saying that to you so you remember it. So people that worship and that, and that idol are idiots. So remember that. I don't think you'll forget that. I, I chuckled when he showed me that. So I am an idiot if you're worshiping this. And we do that. We, we go after those things that we shouldn't go after. But what is the kingdom of God? It's the opposite of that. See, a lot of people say, oh, a lot of the religions of the world are the same. No, they're not. All the other ones are about me. The kingdom of God is about the king and his kingdom, which means his rule and reign. It means that I don't get to do what I want. I do what he wants. I live a life for him. My life is centered on him, not me. That's a big difference. All the other ones, are, I guarantee you, they're all, you take them and go down the line, they're all about me, getting what I want. But the kingdom is about doing what he wants. Now, does he give you good things? You bet, because you can't outgive God. Look at Matthew's scripture, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the us are given to you, everything else that the heathens want are given as well. That it is. Because you can't outgive God. God is so generous as unbelief, but he says you can't serve two masters. You can't be after him and after the money and the things of that. You have to you'll love one or hate the other, because they'll be in conflict with one another. But when you give up your rights and your own things and you give them to God, and you decide that you're going to follow his kingdom, his rule and reign and serve him and him alone, then he's going to bless you. When we started, first started talking about favor, we found that a lot of people 
started having really powerful things happen. That's why I want to pick it up next week because I really think that we need to talk about it more. Because God wants to bring favor to his people. He loves us. He wants to bless us. But he wants us to serve him, him and him alone. And that's the detestable practices of these people. They were not about serving a God. They were about serving themselves. They were about, they were about uh, uh, to get as much as I can for me. That's what, I mean, if you, America, that's what it's about. You know? I mean, I, I like business and I like things to be successful, and I, I think God wants to make His people extremely successful. I do. I'm not kidding. But it can't be about that. To be about that is to be about the same thing as the people of the land. We can't be about the same thing as the people of the land. We have to be about the king. And that's it. So, in Psalms, this was Moses said, you know, you adopted the customs of the people. You worshiped idols. You sacrificed your sons and daughters. Uh, It's a wholly detestable thing. And he says, we're called to be holy. Uh, I'm going to just go through these real quickly. Go through James 4, 4 through 8. We're just going to read a few of these because I want to get you get a taste about the world. And that, you know, it's covered up now that, you know, that we're supposed to be different. And it's covered up that friendship with the world is being an enemy of God. All that's covered up in Christianity. But it's not what the scriptures say. So go ahead and read this. You are like an unfaithful wife who loves her husband's enemies. Don't you realize that making friends with God's enemies, the evil pleasures of this world, make you an enemy of God? I say it again, that if your aim is to enjoy the evil pleasure of the unsaved world, you cannot also be a friend of God. Or what do you think the scripture means when it says that the Holy Spirit, whom God has placed within us, watches over us with tender jealousy? But he gives us more and more strength to stand against all such evil longings. As the scripture says, God gives strength to the humble, but sets himself against the proud and haughty. So give yourselves humbly to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Read the next one. We're just going to read a couple of my... There are tons of them this way. I just picked a few of them, all in the New Testament, to make you all happy. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. I added that last one on there to make this very, very clear. That it's ta- the first parts are talking about not becoming polluted by them, not being one with them. But you have to be amongst them. And you've got neighbors and you've got friends that are not believers. And if you don't, if you aren't friends with them, they're never going to know Christ. That's right. You have to be friends with them. That's right. 
but you can't pick up their detestable practices. You have to you have to be able to be able to tell them who Jesus is, and to do that, you know, when I was in high school, I, I was not a Christian, and I told this story before, but I, I got to say it again. I was one that tested them to find out if they're Christians or not. I did, you know, and I had no zero uh, 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 respect for them if they caved. If after I gave them a bunch of stuff and if I tested them, I was testing them. I was working for the enemy, I guess, real well. <laughs> but I tested them. And if, if they would give in, I, I, I had no respect. Nothing they said would mean anything. But if they kept their mouths and, and, and stayed right, then I listened to them later. As a matter of fact, when I got saved, I looked up. One of the first people I looked up was one of the guys I gave the biggest problems to, you know, and told him I got saved. He was happy as heck. He prayed for me a lot so I wouldn't beat him up, you know. But, <laughs> and it wasn't that I physically beat him up. I, I, just, I just was a pain in the tail to him. Not a good thing to do. Now, you can think of, you know, how, do, how many people I know like this, that you, the way you're calling us to live. About 10% of the Christians. Because God has always had a remnant and always will have a remnant. All of Israel was not Israel. Only a remnant was Israel. It was about 10%, like a tithe. Not all the church is the church. About 10% is. Some of you will be, some of you aren't. I don't know who is who. But there's a remnant that God saves to do what he calls. And there are people that do not give over to the things of the world. There are people that their life is listening, as that man said, and doing what comes off his lips. Moses was uh, God's spokesman then. And when they, when he listened, they listened to Moses, they listened, they listened to him. I'm not Moses. <laughs> defilement. Now I want to go into this, uh, go to defilement, Genesis 4, 9. I'm just going to read through a few of these because I want to give you, after this, I want to give you, you get the idea of why the land's defiled and why you need to repent for it and why you need to take on the responsibility for what was done by your forefathers and your fellow man and yourself. We have, the land is defiled. There's blood all over this land. We actually have in this area, over in the other end of Santa Monica, we have two Asherah poles. That's what they used in Baal worship and a couple of, uh, 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 of uh, altars right out there on the sand in the ocean Pacific. There's right there. You know, it's art, huh. art. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of defilements purposely done. We had the, uh, uh, some people come here, like the Dalai Lama, and do a lot of different things to defile this area. You know, he's, you know it's, it's, a lot of this stuff has been done. This land has been defiled. You know it by when people come on this land, they begin to act like the people are here. That's how you know it. And when I, I dealt with, started dealing first in this area, I'd find all these Christians coming to save Hollywood. But I found they acted just like everyone else in Hollywood in a short time. And that's why I go, what is that about? One, they didn't know their own heart. But the other part was they got defiled. So we need to cleanse this land. So here, this is about defilement, just to give you a little bit more understanding of defilement. There's, there's 200 scriptures. I picked about six. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Next one. 
Do not plant your vineyard with two types of seed. Otherwise, the entire harvest, both the crop you plant and the produce of the vineyard, will be defiled. That's Matthew's in the Old Testament version of it. Go ahead. I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. Next. Then Haggai said, Suppose someone is defiled because he has touched a dead body. If he then touches any of these foods, will that make them defiled too? The priest answered, Yes. Then Haggai said, The Lord says that the same thing applies to the people of this nation and to everything they produce, and so everything they offer on the altar is defiled. The land suffers for the sins of its people. The earth languishes. The crops wither. The skies refuse their rain. The land is defiled by crime. The people have twisted the laws of God and broken his everlasting commands. Therefore, the curse of God is upon them. They are left desolate, destroyed by the drought. Few will be left alive. Okay. Uh, and then I'm going to just give you real quickly, because you've all heard this scripture, Second Chronicles 7, 14 through 15. It's members it's when, my, when my people pray. You know, if my people will pray. Go ahead and read that. Just do it fast. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and had, had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now I'm going to give you kind of a translation. When I, it says, remember, shut up the rain or withhold favor, the rain would be withhold favor. Locust, devouring spirit, that means the things that you've had don't last, wear out, break all of a sudden, things go wrong. Plague, which is a curse. There's curses. I can show you all kinds of scriptures in the New Testament. talks about the curse and coming, a curse can come on you. That was a curse in, in, the, in the garden, that when they did certain things, a curse came on them. You remember it there. Well, it's all the way through the scriptures. Curses come. So, if my people will humble, pray, seek intimacy with God, and turn from sins. That's really what it's talking about. Humble themselves, pray. Seek intimacy. There's a difference between praying and seeking intimacy. You can call it all the same thing. There's a list of things you can ask God for, but God is also calling you to seek intimacy with them. Turn from your sins. That means don't do the same stuff. Walk the other way. Then I will hear, forgive, and heal the land. Now, I'm going to go into real quickly now because we're running out of time. The actual steps about, and I'm going to give you a little flyers for this if you want to go afterwards and do this. And what we're going to do, we're just going to take this land here. This is a significant piece of land. This is part of a global gate. I can't you want to listen to some old messages of mine about a gate, you'll understand about it a little bit more. There's a gate along here. Along here you have a, 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 you know, a memorial to the military, you have a UN thing, and you have the thing, uh, a kind of a plaque or thing to the founder of Santa Monica. It, it is has uh, influence on it. It has been defiled. People have done things here on purpose to defile this ground. We're going to be dealing with this today after church. Those who want to, we're going to go do it. It won't take a long time, but we'll do it. And I'm going to give you the steps. The first step of, uh, of this process that we do is step into, uh, uh, into the gate. 
because the reason I'm telling you, we step into the gate, we're actually going to step in to an armor to do a particular job. We're going to step into a job. And when we get done, at the very end of what we're going to do, we're going to physically take a step off of it. Because that's going to keep you from getting some warfare. Because when you do this kind of stuff, you do get warfare against you. So you don't stay there and can't stay there. So you get yourself a, a lot of problems. So you'll get on and get off. Now, the first thing, and I, this is, if I could, if, if you're a painter, you have a palette, a bunch of different colors, and the artist takes different colors and mixes them together to get what he wants. I am going to give you a palette of, of the basic areas in prayer walking, okay? The palette is designed for you to listen to God and do what he says. It's just there as a kind of a framework to help you know this is the kind of things that you can expect to hear from God. If you've ever learned to pray for the sick, you learn, oh, this is some of the realms and how he works that, and then you learn which one he's working as he speaks to you. But it's a lot hard to reinvent the wheel. If you don't know what, how God normally does it, then it's really hard to reinvent it, and it takes a lot longer. So I want you guys to know this stuff, see this stuff, and then if those are going along with us, well, listen to God and do this. And you can do this at home with your, your neighborhood that you're at. You ask the Lord to step on the gate. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do this. You pray over it, and you step off. The first thing is repentance, as I mentioned it before. It's for we all are part of it because, you know, one sin, we've all sinned. That's how God looks at it, unfortunately. <laughs> That's how he does. But in the positive side of that is that we can repent for our forefathers, you know, for what, what they've been in, and, and, and ask that their sins do not come upon us and for other people. So uh, the first part is repentance, uh, the sins of our forefathers, and the sins of our own self and our people. Now, I want to say in this, to bind the sins and not the demonic. This is a, a practice quite often is around is that people will, you know, I hear it all the time, uh, you know, calls out the name of the enemy and says, I bind you, I hold you, and all that stuff. Uh, you know. Is there somebody called to do that? Maybe. But I can't see Jesus doing it, and I can't see any, any apostle doing it. I cannot see it anywhere in the Bible, anywhere. Now, we have authority over them. I'm not saying we don't, but how we deal with authority, the protocol in which we act is very important. My belief, and if you, John Paul Jackson, who's the founder of, this, uh, of, of the bridge, believes this too, and the vineyard, which I was part of for 18 years, believe this too. John Wimber really believed this. That's where John Paul Jackson got it from, was the idea that if you take on and you start binding things that God has not given you authority or told you to do, then you're going to get hurt. You know, uh, I, 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 my, well, the biggest, easiest one scripture I can give you on it is when the archangel Michael was dealing with that. And he says, the Lord rebuke you. He didn't even say it himself. Now, he has a little bit more authority than you and I do. And he wouldn't say it. He says, the Lord rebuke you. When Jesus, when he dealt with the, uh, with the demons, he didn't sit there and bind him and throw him into the, uh, to the, to the pigs. He said, the demon spoke up and says, want to go over there? He says, go. Do what you want. Go. But he didn't sit there and bind them. So to save yourself a lot of pain and suffering, try to stay out of that. I'm binding the demonic realm, and I put you under my foot. Uh, I hear that all the time, too. And if you don't believe it, put it on your shelf. I don't know. <laughs> and see with a period of time. But I just want to save you, especially if you're going out here, don't do it because you'll bring flack onto us. And also, I don't want to see you hurt. I really see that. The enemy is defeated. We have an authority over him. But it's just like a policeman. 
A policeman walks on a certain authority, but he has certain rules and certain protocols he has to operate in. And if he operates outside of those rules and things, he gets thrown out of court. Let me tell you, the enemy is a legalist. <laughs> yes, he's a legalist. That's, that's his kingdom. Rules and regulations. He tries to get, you see what he did and hold him accountable? He tried it with Moses. He tried to get Moses after he had died to take him to hell. It didn't work. That's what he tried to do by legalistic things. So don't give the enemy any type of uh, chance to do that stuff. Because we have protocol. We have protocol for doing this walk. We have protocol to heaven. We have protocol in everything we do. Okay, so repent. The next thing is separation. Separation. Separate us from the yoke of iniquities of the land, of the people, and the curses that result in it. So when you walk out there and when you do this, you listen to God. If he isn't anointing that, don't do that. But that's one of, the, one of the processes, the yoke of iniquities of the land. And allow him to speak all kinds of stuff on that. He can take you a lot of different directions on that. Second Corinthians six fourteen through 18 says uh, uh, that we're to come out from the sins of the people uh, and the sins of the land. So you're calling for that to come out. Unity. Now, this is the power of agreement. The, the idea... When you agree with someone, it has tremendous power. That's why the enemy always tries to cause you to be separated from what he's doing. He wants, he wants to keep us separate. Ministry separate. People would, that believe you dunked in the water or sprinkled separate. I mean, ridiculous stuff. Unity is a big thing to God. Has gives us a great amount of power. We're doing this AFM. I ended up going out and getting a lot of ministries to agree with me. Some are just a few people in the ministry. Some large parts of the ministry are praying for the AFM. I went out and got World Vision, Trinity Broadcasting, God TV, IHOP, Kansas City, IPC, uh, International Prayer Council, which is 100,000 intercessors, Campus Crusade in Asia, Hollywood, uh, and uh, uh, Bel Air Press, uh, the local Hollywood ministries, uh, YWAM, uh, Children's Prayer Network, International Glow, a bunch of First Nations stuff. Got all these people to agree. Why? So not all of them are going to pray very much, but they come in and agree with me. It gives us more authority to do what we do with the AFM. So the power of agreement is very powerful. Ministry, uh, so the unity of the people, the ministries, to all to come into agreement with one heart, mind, soul, and spirit. That doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. It means that you have the one heart, mind, spirit to heal the land, one heart, mind, spirit to do this particular thing. You're going to have different ways of doing it. Presbyterians can look at things that are different from a Baptist and from me. Good. Viva the difference. A lot of other colors in vanilla ice cream. I'm sorry I'm going so fast because I'm trying to get through this and let you out of here. The next thing, declaration. Now, the declaration uh, uh, is, first of all, dec- declare God's will for the land. That is kindness to the land and to the people. Now, you're going to have to listen to God what that is. Uh, what the will for the land, what type of kindness was he wants to show, uh, his goodness for the land and the people, and his blessing on the land people. You have to hear what exactly he wants to say. You know, he may be saying one thing other than the others, that, uh, that he would restore, it's the next thing, restore uh, and move over this desolate land, his creation, to soften the hardness of this ground, the hardness of the people's hearts, to breathe life back into that, that the fullness of his Fullness of his intentions and purposes will come. So that's the next step, to restore. Okay? So your repentance, declare, restore. Renew. Father, to renew the new growth, to nourish the land, to nourish the people, to bring back life, to establish a new Jerusalem here. 
say. That's a, then the uh, next step to declaration. Now, this is really the final step. After you've declared the stuff and asked his mercy to c- cover the land and his goodness to be here and all the different things like that, and you feel the release, then you move into that place of declaring his righteousness, his dominion on the land and the people and the lives of the people. And then you ask that the, that the Lord would send his angels to guard the work that you've done. And then you take a step off the gate. And if you go out with us today, you'll take a step on to do this work. And when we get done, I'm going to ask you to take a step off. Because I don't want you to have the warfare. And then you, this, I don't have time to teach on this right now, but then you just tell the Lord, change my genetic code where the enemy can't find me. That's no, a genetic code. It's, it, the enemy, it's to say real in a quick moment, the enemy, I believe, sees, I can't prove this with the scriptures, sees us, I saw it through dreams. He sees us by our genetic, uh, genetic code. Every person's DNA is different than others. So how does he find somebody when we all look the same to him, you know? So uh, we're, we're all look the same to him. It's not easy to see the difference. So genetic code is independently different. So I just ask him to change mine all the time. Change it. Shift it. You know, flip it around a little bit. All I have to do is move something and can't find you. I've seen that in a dream and it works. So this stuff came from uh, uh, different areas, but it basically came from Genesis 1-1, where you saw earth, separation, unity, uh, produce in kind and dominion, which is uh, Genesis is the, uh, you know, Genesis bomb is to remake something some way. That's exactly what we're doing. We're going to go over there and remake this land with God's original intention, that we would have his domain and dominion here, and that the people would be influenced for the kingdom when they come here, not for darkness. So, Father, I thank you for... Uh, uh, the opportunity to share your word with people. Father, I ask that you would uh, uh, melt it into their hearts. And Father, I ask that if there's something that they're not sure of, that Lord, that you would help them put it on that shelf, I don't know, and not make a decision one way or another. Just let it rest and let you show it, whether it's true or not. And Holy Spirit, I, I, I ask that you would do that. You would go show each and every person here, what I said, am I speaking the truth? And anything that I'm not speaking accurately, Father, that you would remove that from their mind and let them choose not to look at that part. But this, the vast majority of the stuff that they don't understand, I ask that you would cause it to be in that I don't know shell. So, Father, seal the work here. Seal it over and prepare your people to do a walk today. We thank you.